0: Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Mark Skier. Mark is a health and fitness coach, mind coach, hypnotherapist, and ex-fighter, being a British and English champion, and is also a pro mai thai coach so welcome onto the show mark hello thank you thanks for having me my absolute pleasure mark so let's go right back to the very beginnings of 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 why you got into thai boxing and for those that maybe not be aware or have ever seen thai boxing can you give them a little bit of uh, an overview uh yeah so thai boxing on Muay thai
1: um it's predominantly, you know, a stand-up striking sport. Um, so if, you, if you're if you familiar with MMA, like a lot of people will be, um, it's predominantly the stand-up side of that. Obviously, it was around a lot longer, a lot many years before that, but it's sort of what most people know at, at, at this time. Um, so you're using punches, kicks, knees, elbows, clinching, so a little bit of grappling as well. Um, yeah, it's quite a brutal sport, but it's
0: also, you know, a beautiful art at the same time. And why did you get involved in it? With it specifically, Mark. Um, so I started. Um, I started with
1: boxing um, in high school. So, so even before that, say say in primary school, many many years ago, um, I used to get a little bit bullied back in, back in the day, you know, I was quite a quiet young lad. Um, I wasn't very outspoken and I went to a pretty rough primary school in in a rough part of Salford. Um, So yeah, I used to get bullied, used to get me dinner money, took off me, I used to get, you know, beaten up all the time and they didn't do anything back in them days. So you know, over the years, I think it just built up and built up inside of me. And then later on, when I moved to high school, uh, I started getting some fights then. So then I started to fight back. Um, I didn't know, you know, what I was doing back then. Um, and, and I wasn't proud of what I was doing, but it was quite a rough area. And, you know, it was one of them you had to fight back or you or just get, you know, bullied like you used to. So I'd had enough of that by then. So then I started to fight back for myself. Um, And yeah, I got into quite a lot of fights back in the day, back in high school days, you know, the bad kind of fights or on the streets. Um, So then one day I went into a boxing gym with a few of my friends, it was about eight of us, walked into a boxing gym, uh, an old smelly gym. It It was a great gym, I shouldn't say that, but it was, you know, typical. Gym, it was hardwood floor, the, the ring was just a rope. Um, and then a few of my mates went down there training for a few weeks. And we were just doing you know the basic stuff, the footwork drills, which is you know it can be quite boring at first, but you've got to go through that stage. So, anyway, my friends all got bored, I carried on staying, and they all left, and I carried on. And after because I just wanted to get better at fighting, I think because. I got bullied back back in, my, you know, my previous years. I wanted to prove to myself and subconsciously to everyone else, I would imagine, that, you know, I'm not there to be picked on. So I wanted to be the best I could possibly be. So when I was in the gym, I was in there constant every day of the week, um, just turning up on me own. I used to run to the gym, train, run home. You know, I was I was religious. So... Yeah, I went on. I had a few fights, amateur boxing fights. This is like, I don't know, 15, 16-year-old. Um, I remember my first three fights. I, I knocked every opponent out in the first round, my first three amateur fights. Um, so that was so then I got hooked a little bit more then. So I did a few years. And I had a few more fights, didn't win them all, lost a few. Um and then I saw I was coming to look to like 18 years old by then. So I started to get into the wrong type of stuff. Who's going out drinking with friends by then? Um, so there's no discipline whatsoever at that point. I'd started to lean away from my boxing training, started to go to the gym, just getting like I was obsessed with trying to get big and muscly by then, you know, trying to get the girls and stuff um, like, like other teenagers that age. So it was literally going in the gym. Going to the pub on a weekend, no discipline whatsoever. Um, then I started working for myself, had my own business, doing landscaping. So we'd landscape, we'd, we'd work all week, and then we would just be in the pub all weekend. Um, and that was it for many many years. No, no um, training, just going to the gym. Thought I was training, but I was just you know bench pressing, doing curls. That was about it. Just trying to get you know big chest, big arms for the t-shirts. Um, so then one day, many years later, by this time I was like 26, I walked into another gym, an MMA gym, because I mean, MMA was getting quite big at the time. I thought, I'll have a go at that. So went in the gym just to get fit, you know, not to do anything other than that, just to get fit, really. Um, so I'd started doing the MMA side of things, you know, the grappling, the wrestling. And there was also a stand-up. Side so there was two coaches at the gym at the time. One who was more of an MMA grappling type coach. The other guy was more stand up Muay Thai coach, who eventually became my main coach, Daz Morris. And so because I'd done boxing before, I started leaning towards the stand up side of MMA, and then eventually I just stuck to Muay Thai then, um, with this coach, Daz Morris. And so he, so when you Going up in fighting in white Thai, you, you know, you'll start training. And then after a while, you start sparring with people. So I started sparring. Then after sparring, you would do like an inter-club, which is like, it's not quite a fight, but you, you go into another gym and you are, you're fighting against someone else. There's a referee, but there's no winner or loser. Um, and it's quite controlled contact. You're wearing shin pads and you're wearing bigger gloves. So there's more protection. So one day, my coach, Daz, said to me, oh, you've got an interclub club fight in like three weeks' time. I was like, oh, God, do you think I'm ready for that? And he's like, yeah, you would be okay. You know, it's just like sparring. I was like, right, okay. If you think I'm ready, I'll do it. So then um, a few more weeks went by. And it was like a week to go. And then um, Daz come up to me and he said, oh, I've got something to tell you. I was like, yeah, what? And he was like, you're not doing a m you're not doing an interclub now, you're doing a real fight um at this big race course, Chester race course it was. Um, you know, big crowd there. So it was uh no shin pads, real gloves, um full on fight basically. Um so he's like, Yeah, you can watch the opponent because he used to have this um online video site where you could watch fighters called P four TV back in the day. And um, so he said, Yeah, watch him, this is his name. So I'll watch this lad. And he absolutely demolished this other guy. Knocked him out in like the second round. I was like, oh yeah, thanks, Daz. Uh, cheers for that. So anyway, got to the venue. No, the next week went by. I got to the show. I was absolutely cacking it, dead nervous. Um, but managed to calm myself down like before it. And then, um, yeah, my music come on for the fight, watching the ring. It was just a blur. Didn't know what was going on. My mind wasn't thinking straight. Um got in the ring the bell went just had a first fight it was like the worst fight like the scrappiest fight ever no technique like someone two lads having a scrapping spoon somewhere <laughs> uh, and then got I remember getting back in, at the ring after the first round i couldn't breathe i was like hyperventilating i couldn't see straight I was like, there's no, I'm like, I can't go out for another round. There's no way I'm going out for another round. I can't. And they like, the coaches are just going, yeah, okay, okay. And then they just push me in the middle of the ring. And then I did the second round, did the later rounds, and eventually I ended up, you know, getting me out together and I won on points then. So I won that fight. Um, and then with the the nature of my coach, Daz, he used to like get me lots of fights really, really quickly. So because of that, I I went up through the rankings quite quickly. So I got my experience up. I started late in life. You know, I was like twenty-seven by now, so I started quite late in life. So I had my second fight. I think I drew that one, and then my third fight. Um, it was like a short notice one. It was like two weeks. He said all oh, these lads had a pull out on a fight. You fancy doing it because I'd been in the gym. I wasn't fighting fit, but you know, I'd been in the gym. I was like, Yeah, okay. When, yeah, his name's Darren Till, and I didn't have a clue who Darren Till was his, you know, he's UFC fighter now. And I was like, Yeah, whatever, I'll go fight him. So <laughs> got there to the venue. And then I remember the pro- promoter as I walked in, he's like looking at me like the size of me. I was only like that Skinner. He was quite big, Darren, at the time. Um, and he's like, the promoter's like, have you brought a baseball bat with you? I was like, <laughs> oh, he went, well, you're going to need one. I was like, "All oh, right, I didn't know what was going on. So anyway, I had the fight with Darren. It was a good fight. He beat me on points. He was a lot more experienced than me by this time. It was like my third fight. Uh, but it was a good experience. Um, he probably beat me every round, like, um, but, you know, it was a good, really good experience. So yeah, after that, I just fought loads. Ended up getting English title, British title. And fought in Thailand. Fought on a, like, a reality TV show in Thailand um, called Infusion with um, the commentator, my good friend, Vinny sherman He got me on that. So that was good. It was like four weeks paid for in Thailand in a tournament. I didn't win or anything like that, but it was, that was a great experience as well. It's basically all fighters from different countries. And um, we was training together, living together on this, on the same camp, super pro gym in Costa Mira. So we'd all live together, you know, eating and then we'd end up fighting each other, training, training with each other. So it was a really, really good experience. Met some good friends, still friends now. Um, yeah. So not long after that, I retired then from fighting. I'd, I'd started coaching. I'd gone through this stage. I'd started coaching, you know, for other people, so for Daz, I was helping him out with classes, um, and then eventually Daz left, and another guy bought the gym, Pod Apollo D. So then I became his partner in the gym. He wanted me um, on board because I'd been to university, done my strength and conditioning degree, I'd um, you know I had fighting experience. So he sort of brought me into the business side of things to um, you know run the gym. So, we, it was like a, a strength conditioning gym on one side and then a Muay Thai gym on the other side. So, we sort of shared um, we shared duties either side of that. And then eventually, a few years after that, we split up again. And then I built my own gym then from that called Salford Striking Academy. Um, so, we have our own. So nearly all the members come, come to my new gym, Salford Striking Academy, so that's pretty much where I've been, what I've been doing for the past, I don't know how many years, six years, um, seven years. So now we're just coaching, you know, young fighters coming up. Well, a coach, anyone really wants to learn it, you know, young kids who are just wanting to get fit, adults who are wanting to get fit, teaching them Muay Thai or boxing. Um, and that's, you know, what we've been doing for the past few years also part of my business so I sort of I have two sides of my business I have Salford Striking Academy um which is the Thai boxing side of things and then I also have my other side which is called Vision VIP um which is more for the general public just just wanting to get fit you know and then um, you know get healthier lose weight change the mindset you know that that side of things Um, Yes, well, that's what I've been doing at the
0: minute. And you talked throughout your story there, Mark, of, uh, of obviously ups and downs, trials and tribulations. Do you think your life story subconsciously has played a part on your business? Because ultimately you can see what other people are experiencing on their own journey to kind of signpost them in... Maybe more proactive and more positive direction.
1: Yeah, of, of definitely, of course. Yeah, I can see. I can see people who, who, you know, early on in their journey, you know, wanting to better themselves in terms not in, not just in terms of fitness, in terms of just the general mindset. And um, so, yeah, I do think the things I have gone through in my life helps me. Become a better coach and, and taught them through things.
0: And what was the experience? Because you you touched on it briefly uh, of Thailand, uh, and obviously I think USC have done something uh, more recently, very much like that Thai reality program of, of of putting two camps against each other. But what 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 was from one aspect? what was the life experience like? And then what was it like uh, from a fighting perspective versus what you've known back in the UK?
1: Um, So as a life experience, it was amazing. Um, Obviously I was nervous going out there. I I forgot to mention previously retired just before this. (laughs) Um, And then I got offered this gig and obviously I thought, right, four weeks in Thailand, I think I'll come out of retirement. So I'll come out of retirement for that. Uh, I flew over there with the commentator Vinnie Shoreman, who's a good friend. Um, and then we got there. I didn't know anyone. It was all fighters from, you know, all different parts of the world. So I'm chatting with people, making great friends from all around the world. They're all great fighters. So I'm learning stuff from them um and, you know we're living together we're eating together so it was a great bonding experience even though we was ultimately going to end up punching each other's heads in we was we was friends before it We was friends all around it and we'd, we'd get up we'd be training together we'd take turns each you know taking the training session so it was all feeding off each other each other's experience each was knowledge so that was a really i come away learning a lot from that you know just from training with other people from all around the
0: world and and being in its homeland what was that like because ultimately you know television can't do things justice in terms of the atmosphere uh, the knowledge of the, uh, of pretty much you know they they hold it in high regard as in it's like the national sport the privilege of being able to do that must have been unbelievable
1: yeah, it was. I mean, at, at the time, I probably didn't acknowledge that as much as I do now. Um, but yeah, it was unbelievable experience. It's just, it's in Thailand, you know, fighting. It's just in the air, you know. It's it's red hot. It it and. Um, even getting up in the morning, you, you know, you're getting up in the gym is outside your window and these people are already sweeping up for the gym. They're getting it ready for the day. The trainers are all out, getting all the gear out. So as soon as you open your eyes, you're in that atmosphere. And, and for me or someone like me, it was like heaven. It was like getting up because I love to train. I, lo- I love everything about it. So just getting up, the gym was there. You would go out, you would train, they'd absolutely kill you for two hours. Obviously, like you say, Thailand its a national sport. The coaches over there, the, the knowledge is second to none. You know, they've done it since they're like two years old and that's all they've done. Over there, it's, you know, it's a way of life because it's a way out of poverty for a lot of them. So they have to fight or they have to learn the art in order to get money, you know, to, to feed themselves a lot of the time. Um, so there's a lot more at stake for them. So, you know, the fighting, there's a lot more at stake for when we've got to fight for it. So- do, you,
0: do you think that's why uh, it, when people, and I'm going to turn it back more towards health and fitness now, do you think that's why people are lost to a certain extent? Because they haven't got an essence of what we, you and I would call a why, but in terms of what you mentioned there from a, from a Thai perspective, in terms of it's a win at all costs in terms it's going to get me out of a a impoverished state to be able to, I'm able to feed myself on it and it's a state of mind of you'll hear in a lot of sporting rises of they want to get themselves out of a, a poor state and sport is a vehicle to do that. Do you think that's why some people that they, 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 They'll throw motivation around a lot in terms of I like motivation, whereas I would I would probably say it's down to the words, probably the same, but you know self discipline, uh, a focus, a passion, mm-hmm. and they haven't really got an objective as to why they want to get to where they want to get to in terms of like the result. Well, what what, what what's the under the? Well, okay, that's what our job is to find what that is, but. They haven't got an uh, underwriting win at all uh, costs as, well, if I do this, I can eat for the day. If mm-hmm. I do this, okay, I might become a household name. And ultimately, it's easy to work, to throw the word motivation around or, or to, to, yep. to to say those individuals um, exude motivation they're going to obviously wane in motivation but they have a real reason as to why they're doing that particular sport
1: yeah definitely I mean even like tying in with when I started the reason why I wanted to get better and better is because I wanted to I didn't want to get bullied anymore you know subconsciously I still had that small boy inside me and I wanted to prove you know that I could fight and that I wasn't there to be bullied same with you know, like you say, these people—they've got—they've got that big reason. They need to—they need to fight to survive, or or at least to get a better living. And um, and I think people these days—you know—we're a little bit spoiled. We don't have to—we don't have to go out and get fit. We don't have to go out hunting. We've got food at shops. Um, we can wear. You know, you can wear flattering clothes so you don't don't have to look too bad your body-wise. You can get away with it a little bit like that. You can get, you know, you can get all your cosmetic surgery and things like that. So I think there's a lot of cop-outs these days. You know, they don't have to be that fit. They don't have to be super healthy. Obviously, they they do have to be super healthy, but people don't realise it that much. It's not in the face, you know, risks of, you know, illnesses in later life, things like that, because they're not there in in front of you. You know, when you're 20, 30, 40 even, it's not life or death that you have to go out there and train and get fit and be healthier. Whereas if they could see how uh, vital it is, and it was there in the
0: face, I think a lot more people would do it. I think the, the, the Rocky quotes, the best one in terms of how he's talking to his child, you know, Nothing's gonna punch as hard as life. Yep. You've obviously physically had to do that. Um, obviously, Mike Tyson has said it. You won't. You won't. What come with the actual word he said? But ultimately, if you got hit in by the face by him, you'd know about it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But. I think was big volumes uh, what I saw the, the other week of he was interviewed with all his accolades and what he'd achieved in in his previous lives as a box. He said, All these is garbage. It's like okay. it it meant the world at that particular time in his journey of well, I've got accolades behind me upstairs in my house. In terms of it was everything revolved around that particular uh sports or endeavor mm-hmm. and everything else is is meaningless in terms of it you it's such a tunnel vision as if it's not going to propel me forward I can disregard it, it and, and because of okay people might call that mo- you're very highly motivated very no no that's self that's very selfish as well in terms of um I was luck. I was probably very lucky. I had a very supportive family in terms of they could they could see that vision that I had in for myself. Other people that were probably accidental to that. Oh, James is an idiot. He's a bit of a. He's all you think about is himself. I've had family say that to me time to t- time to time in terms of very <laughs> self centered and very uh, egotistical. But I think because you are so heavily eye on the prize. And to come back to the the metaphor of the Thai boxer in terms of if this is going to be my way out so I can survive, mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I think where you echo about we live in a world of comfort and simplicity is counteractive in terms of, okay, as human beings, as I've come to to learn, are going to do that because it's going to seek out Comfort, solace—the brain's going to choose the easy way out because it's thinking of long-term survival, as opposed to—is it the right course of action? Am am, am I going to put myself into harm? Yeah, getting healthy is not one of those. If you think of it as simply as that, it's not because it's not—it's not. I'm not asking you to do a life or death. Yeah, put yourself in a life or death situation. I did have, I did. If we go back to the days when I was working in a gym as well, uh, and I was doing a class, I had to tell somebody to back off because yeah. of the, they were pretty much, uh, it's as if you could see the smoke rising from the head. <laughs> if they're working that hard, it's like, no, dude, come on. I know you want it, but I don't particularly want to kill you. Yeah. I've been there, yeah. <laughs> so it's so it's so I think people, I think they appreciate that after the fact. It's like, I know you 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 don't like where you're at physically, mm-hmm. but you don't particularly want to put you in the ground. Or put will send you to the hospital yeah, because yeah. that won't do my repetition any good. <laughs> uh, being selfish, and I don't particularly want you to be in hospital and then be out of action for weeks and then obviously you're even further back than than where you're at. But I think because of people are not in that for us in that environment of of sport because of this I think it's the perception of competition is bad or it's been rammed down people's throats so much as you shouldn't be competitive because of XYZ. It's like no no no. What I see there's a problem with on and, and, and it's the bad side of social media that's kind of being unmasked is comparison as in that's what's bad it's not competition because if you use that as fuel of being bullied that's gonna make you a better person that wasn't your intent at first but you've as you've progressed and and, and you've started to enjoy the craft oh I'm, I'm getting better I love this thus. I think on a on a more uh, complex level, you're moving further and further away from what initially you set out to do. Yeah. But because of people having that illusion of well, I must be competitive because of my narrative or my 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 underlying beliefs thus Mm -hmm. really you're really more aligning yourself with comparison thus no wonder that people go to social media and they're miserable yeah because they're trying to portray uh oh sorry not portray trying to ascertain what the algorithm or the ai is making to be what is the ideal and i shared one the other week um that Elaine, uh, Elaine and, and Richard shared on social media of um, it was a promotional ad for, I'm assuming leggings, but to do with women's fitness, and the shoot was putting down uh, kitchen roll down the trousers to make the ass look bigger. <laughs> and you're thinking, well, that, how how immoral that is yeah. to sell a product in terms of the person i don't know if somebody was being a little bit spoof and doing you know spying and to kind of show behind the scenes what goes on you're thinking well what can i really trust when it comes to 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 anything like that of there's technology to do with social media to, to to augment you know reality to make people have better abs to have perfect breasts have bigger ass thinking well for somebody that is maybe very uh, insecure about yeah. their appearance, it's going to make it like ten times ten times worse at a minimum. Because okay, I feel bad about myself already, and I'm going to 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 Instagram. I'm going to Facebook, and all I see is perfection. Mm-hmm. I obviously deterred this because before Christmas, I had a a call. Um, with, with a particular lady, and I was having a mint pie. <laughs> and their illusion was, Oh, I didn't expect you, you, within your industry, to be eating that. oh I get that all the time. Like it. <laughs> It's Christmas,
2: it's <laughs> Christmas.
0: Well, it was a run up to Christmas. And for the Americans, how would I describe it? It's like um, a sav- savory, savory, uh. It's not really a biscuit, but it's a savoury thing that we have in the UK for Christmas. It's like, well, I had the one, and I think over the Christmas period or the or the holiday season, I think in the house we only had like three boxes. So it's not a lot, 15, yeah. 15 mince pies uh, the mince in mince the pie. in the grand scheme of things. And, and I know that come the new year, I'm going to buy it's. The, the first week was more problematic for work than it was for fitness. But I know I've got to get back on the horse. It's going to be very, very, very hard, but it's going to get easier. However, yeah. for the ordinary person in, in, in the street, and you've come across this, and, and probably every coach has come across this, I've tried everything under the sun. Why is this going to be any different? And it's trying to, at first, and I did have a client like this, convince them to kind of go. Even if you've got a setback, okay, let's talk it over. Let's get to the root of the of why you you are apprehensive of. Oh, here we go again. This person done quite. It's done very very well. Um, uh, fifteen kilos down, thirty pounds. Uh, right. And, uh, he's now kind of going, well, I can get a little, I can get a, under hundred kilos, no, hundred, 200 pounds. And he's now going to, he's kind of set his sights as well. I want to get back to the way I used to be 75 kilos. Is that realistic James? Yeah. Yeah. Got, got all year to do that. Oh yeah. I want to do that. So his, his motivation mm-hmm or oh, I'll call it a spark because what somebody said to me today um before we jumped on of I, I need to find that spark that's going to get me going. Yeah, He didn't have that because obviously the confidence was lower. Uh, now it's like if I shoot for the moon I can at least hit the stars. And okay, there's going to be setbacks, but he can, I'm going to throw a box analogy, and roll with the punches <laughs> and come out the other side. And because of this aspect of you know quick fixes it knocks people's confidence, yeah. Because it's like, well, I'm not being sold what well, I bought into, thus let me go do to jump over to let's let's go from Weight Watchers to Slimming World to <laughs> Noon to Peloton to. Do some boxing, go tie boxing, and and they don't really stick with what the what they're doing. So I think what what you mentioned at the very front of the episode of that consistency to kind yeah. of persevere of, in spite of your mates, your friends dropping out and falling by the wayside, which I think a lot of people do. They kind of want to go in with the with the friends, and then obviously the other person backs out. Yeah oh i might as well stop it's like why if that person's will to keep going as has wavered hey that's all right you could be the good friend and kind of be the moral support so let's keep going let's see what's on the other side of this in terms of it, it, it you've got two choices in that it's like you can persevere and keep going it's not easy to, to have perseverance regardless of setbacks i think you and i are no different with that in terms of it's even i think even in, in a business sense it is very frustrating sometimes to to be told to to keep going when you had a setback in terms of it doesn't matter if it's it's financial uh sales calls haven't gone your way um marketing not working mm-hmm. the setbacks it's like, well, what are you going to do about it in terms of uh, you you and I, you've had, I know this firsthand, but I won't, I won't air it. But in terms of, for me, if I don't do those tangibles, I hurt people at the end of the day. Because ultimately, if I don't show up, people can't feel, can't have a result thus, it, it if you feel very very much guilty in terms of and you will, and you will show up and it's that's yeah unwavering perseverance is like it doesn't matter how you or i feel you need to do it for somebody else and i think obviously that's makes passion very easy because it's like well it doesn't matter what i feel you feel today if we we are 50% hey go show up
1: yeah Definitely.
0: You can just you. Can, I think as you get better at it, and you got better at boxing, you got better at Mai Tai You adapt. Okay, I'm at fifty percent. What do I need to adjust? X, yep. Y, Z. I'm still showing up, but I'm showing up in a different way. Sixty percent, seventy percent. Obviously, a hundred percent. You, 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 smashing it. Yeah. Yep. That's the easy days. Um, but. I think where people lose sight of it is have any any minor setback oh here we go again let me quit yeah but if yeah. they just push, just push on just that little bit more and this was a uh, a great thing that i heard uh listening to tony robbins mm-hmm. you might think you're breaking down you might be breaking through <laughs> and it's, it's amazing because it's one is ne- very negative. The other one would be very inspiring in terms of, well, if I'm breaking through, why why stop now? Exactly. If I'm yeah. breaking down. Let's play the victim. Why me? Why is this going wrong? And I think oh, I've, I've never done fighting sports. I've been coached by you uh, in one session and I didn't hold back um i i probably made it more difficult for others because they've got no excuse you did really
1: you did good. you did use the best one there that
0: day well i, I well that the, the the physical that was okay that was what to give some context to, to, to what you and i are talking about there is i wanted to be pushed both psychologically physically and emotionally and for that it, it, it doesn't actually mean anything but the physical one was it's not difficult because ultimately you can push me as much as you want. Yeah. It's me being willing to be pushed beyond what I'm capable of. Uh, but you, I've got to want it more than you to be able to do that because I could of course, yeah. skate it and make it look like it's hard work. Yeah. yeah. But I wanted to get as much out of it as i could okay i improvised and took the leg off by that I, I did that more for Greg's safety than anything. <laughs> in terms of uh it made it obviously the um most people if not everybody hates a burpee so i was like well i'm gonna have to do next because i don't like let's make it a little bit easier by taking five kilos away i think every amputee <laughs> that listens to my show can relate that's an advantage uh- because if you can get rid of some kilos, which anybody <laughs> person can't, just that pretty much like a, a flick of a switch, you're going to do it. And okay, uh, I probably didn't like you at the time. I was lucky that you sent it to me ahead of time. So I knew pretty much every session we were going to yours, Greg's, Chrissy's. I gave it the green. Well, I didn't give it the green light. Like, I gave you whether or not you had to make any adjustments, but I told you blank, it's Like if if I need to adapt, I'll adapt, and and I'll do it like everybody else. I don't want any um, what's the word? Uh, any allowances? Yeah, no, you were not put. You won't go to put. It, you know my background. So the physical one, in terms of, I think the only one was probably difficult, and some have seen it, some haven't of that picture I shared of allowing somebody to punch you in the gut is <laughs> not something that you would ordinarily do within fighting. Yeah. It's it, it, of- is, is, is customary. Uh, okay. Punching is probably not as hard as a medicine ball going on top of it. So yeah. it was suck it up. It's three rounds. Yeah. I think I probably got an advantage over some because I'm still doing aerobic sport. Some are doing, um, no no cardio whatsoever or it's very little thus all yeah. those sessions are going to be brutal because they haven't got the uh, the baseline to go from so it's very uncomfortable but i think the space that we're pushed to go into in that group of a collective is to embrace it so it's like well i've not yeah. done combative stuff since i was a teenager the the mine was martial arts like karate and taekwondo. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go with it. Um, as long as you don't punch me, I think Greg was close, but <laughs> as long as you don't punch me in the face. It's okay. It's okay. But I think it's having that knowledge is is powerful. Mm-hmm. But and this is another quote from Tony Robbins. It, it, it we've got so much information out there. Is what people are action is actually the action taking to do that or do something with it. It's like yeah. you could ask X amount of questions, get all the answers back, now what you're gonna do with it. And I think you and I have been there from a business perspective of, you know, the quick fixes, the the PDFs, the, the all the free stuff going. But how many people actually? How many people utilize that and actually do something with it? It's probably one percent. It's like uh, it's like shelf help it, getting all the books,
1: getting all the knowledge, and then just not doing anything with it. And um, what's the other quote? Knowledge is power, but it's not knowledge is power. It's applied knowledge is power. So you you've got to apply what you know rather than just letting it sit in your head, you know, and not do anything with it.
0: Well, I think it comes back to to um... Matt Davis and I discussed it on the on the previous episode about a passion, and, and he referenced uh, rich, poor, which I can't remember which way around it. Poor, poor dad, rich dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki, and obviously with that, I I took the shorter approach. He's read the book, I've listened to him talk. Uh, taking him from, listening to somebody talk for eight minutes is a lot easier to, than reading. <laughs> um a, a book however big or small it is it's it it, it, it is the easier way out because we're creatures of, of of habit in terms of we, we seek information the easiest way possible mm-hmm. however I I've I've gone away listened to that multiple times wrote it down and then how do I make it into uh, absorbable content that somebody can actually do something with it. Okay, I didn't read the book, but the the eight minutes is probably a summary of that. Thus what have I gone away from it? But I think that the behavior that we yeah. exhibit as as people is is some will fall on either side of this argument of we didn't like our time in school. It was, a, it was, I was forced upon to, I must go to school between the ages of, in the UK, 4 to 16. And now it's obviously a little bit longer than that. Uh, in Europe and in the US from 5 to 18. Thus, because I don't really want to be there, but I have to. Oh, I hate learning when I come out the other side. And, and okay, I've obviously gone and expanded that onto when I, when did I finish education? About 24. But I saw that as a vehicle to seek knowledge and to be able to implement it along the way. Okay, I was lucky that I had sport when I was an undergraduate to be able to go well, um, and I and I found a fascination for sport psychology. So I would put theory into practice and in, in, day to day in terms. of Well, okay, can this be applied to me? Yeah. If the answer is no, don't yeah. matter what the theory says, it doesn't work. It Doesn't yeah. work for me. I probably need to go back to the drawing board and and find a way to fit it in. And it probably would fit. And if it did, that's a good theory. It works. Vice versa, what I learned in the real world, apply it back into coursework. And it's what I try to do now in coaching to kind of give not try to, I do because when people are trying to do fees and benefits, it's like, well, I've got this knowledge I've got that knowledge I've got this knowledge and I've got pretty much you know people that have gone through it and yeah. done it for themselves they, this, that, that probably speaks more volumes of, of of the results this is what the person got this is their journey this is what their experience was those other stuff don't really matter however you wanted to do it from that basis of well I've got 10 years in sport six years in education well, high level education and obviously six years in coaching. Mm -hmm. But it's meaningless in terms of it's still got to be able to put however many theories into practice for that particular person to be able to get success. So I can't just give willy nilly, I don't think it's a word, but to a person if it's not going to work. So be it, calorie calorie counting and the person hates tracking the food not going to be very compliant for very long because it's it's a chore but i think because of we've got that perspective on schooling as well most of it's pretty much garbage Mm -hmm. the majority because you never use it in the real world unless you were to go into that one of those fields Mm -hmm. So you bring into question the whole sector or the ind- or the industry because it's like, well, why do we learn maths? Why do we learn about history? Why do we learn about geography? Why do we learn about... Okay, yep. the, generally we won't be any... Pu- from the sporty kids, there's push, no push bug against PE. <laughs> In terms, we want more of that. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: We want more of that if we can have it. It's like, yeah, but you're only liking the aspect of the practical, the sport, because it's fun. If I give yeah. you, you got to sit in a classroom and actually do, uh, okay, GCSEP is easy. But in terms of, for me, it's easy because I've gone higher and higher. But for somebody that's out and out, you know, a wizard on the football pitch or rugby pitch, good fighter, mm-hmm. If they can't apply that in the classroom, it doesn't mean so at all and, and on, on their exams. But I know first time, because I was in education for a little bit, they asked PE to adapt to English and, and to math, but you never see it go the other way in terms of, I think the school I was in, the, the head of PE was willing to... It, not be ahead of his time, but in terms of, like challenge challenging the education um go, as an on a governance level in terms of okay, it's all well and good that people learn about p e, but you're gonna have a majority of a cross section of of the of the school hates the subjects yeah to 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 an un, unfinished level because they have they have to do it from. Year seven and uh, year eight, and then well, yeah, year, no, year seven to year nine. Uh, thus, I'm not going to do it as a GCSE because I hate the thing. Whereas those kids, if you remove the practical bit, it would probably be amazing, and because they'd be able to, they like yeah. the classroom stuff, and they're learning about the body in a different way in terms of well, how does it function, what does it do blah blah blah. Okay, some people aren't like that, but it switches people off straight away of the majority of kids, and I don't think it's going to change. Sporty, yeah. and then they get confrontational when it comes to the theory in terms of, oh, why do we have to learn about this? Why can't we just be on the field or uh, on the core unit? Yeah, like because you need to, you need to know this. This is this is X. Ex- this is health. I think it probably needs to be more of an umbrella term. Of you bring in uh, food tech, you bring in science, you bring in PE, you bring them all together. Boom. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You get more more up the ladder of education. You look at biology. That's still PE. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are looking at. Um, I was horrified, and I did have a disagreement with the food tech teacher of, of the Eat Well Plate. Oh yeah, because like, oh, they need to learn this. It's like, yeah, I know they need to learn it for an exam, but it's still bollocks. <laughs> I didn't say that in the classroom. I used it. I used, I used a bit more uh, decorum and made it so I didn't get in trouble with <laughs> the pupils, the students. But what she wouldn't see was of when I did my PT course, which was five, six years ago now, the tutor would say, just put this, take the wrong answer on the exam, on the exam to get it right. But you guys know that it's not the right answer. Yeah. yeah. And this reliance on, you know, governance to kind of say we need to it's like, well, people don't even know how much they're consuming. So what would be guidance of, you need to have the plate divided into into what's well, not even quarters, but say quarters based on mass mm-hmm. to fit your basic need. The level in that particular school was so poor mm-hmm. towards nutrition period or dieting or any knowledge of around health. It doesn't really matter. It's like, you can't look after yourself when you leave school. So I was horrified, you know, couldn't use a stove, couldn't use the, the oven. Um, I shouldn't judge because I couldn't use an oven until I was quite old, but it's probably one of the easy easiest. <laughs> other than the microwave, it's not difficult to use. You turn it on. Uh, electric one's probably even easier than a gas hob. But the point that I'm making, if, if you made it a little bit more... Um, approachable uh, as a as a subject in school or even you've made it even in high school and kids gained an understanding of you know the basics yeah okay you and I would never be out of a job but in terms of people would be able to push back against uh, consumerism in terms of why are the foods that are unhealthy for you on sale more often than stuff that's better for you and kind of go, well, okay, I'm going to talk with my feet and I'm going to go over here. Uh, I had a conversation with um, an American the other week in terms of like fresh versus frozen. Okay. If you're, for whatever reason, they have to pay more for their fresh. Frozen is technically better because it's done at source. Do that then the companies will change this will go down yeah. and that will go up and then you change <laughs> and then obviously beat them at their own game yeah well because of this idea that we probably give at, at school level i loved p i was a sporty yeah. i didn't go to school in the uk so i i pretty much i had to do i had to do the subject doesn't matter if you hated the subject or not. You had to do at least do one year of the thing. Uh, so the ones that were smart, well, I've done my mandatory year. Might as well do it for three years after that. And then do a subject that I like. And then my final year, it became strength and conditioning because one of the uh, sports coaches took it over. So he wanted more of his players to, to have an extra training session. Mm, I like that idea. Let me do it as well. So so the point I'm making is it comes back to that, that composition aspect of where there's a will and you find a way to be able to do it, you benefit from it. So did I ever look at it as yes from an academic point? It was easy because it's a subject that I'm pretty much going to do well in. Thus, why not do it? But I saw the benefits from a health perspective. I saw the benefits from a performance perspective. I saw it from a bas- basic of... Uh, I can improve my knowledge around nutrition. I can improve my new knowledge around anoto- anatomy. I can improve my uh, knowledge around how the b- body functions at a basic level because it's high school. Yeah, And then, obviously... I went on to do sports science. So another level, Um, my specific university, their opening statement for any open day is, if you came here to do a sports degree, this is not the degree from you, even though (laughs) it's got sport in the, (laughs) it should actually be called science sport because it is predominantly, you're learning how the body functions. Yeah, that's what mine was. From a standpoint. And obviously, that's a that's a wake up call to people. It's like you're not going to get a w- walk in the park because yeah. these people are the some have obviously gone to masters that are and and gone very very high. But for me, if it was going to be something I could utilise in sport, might as well do something that I enjoy. So mine's always been based on that argument of. I might as well enjoy it than make myself suffer. Okay, the only exception to that is when exams come around. Of I, I hated that time of the, of the year. But the, the the piece of content I was listening to the other day that completely unravels that argument of if people kind of and this is Nick from a book as well, like James Clear calls it habit stacking, but. The point that the the, the the psychologist says is if you were to study if you put the light on, there's a cue as to what you need to do. Every time you put your your, your, your um, light on the la- on, 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 on your desk, it's time to go to work. Yeah. Uh, and then um, and then if you back had engineered it and actually did revision all the time, after every aspect, you would you wouldn't the, the, when it's come time to revise, it's reviewing. So for me, that was massively mind blowing. It's like, yeah, no wonder I hated revising, <laughs> and I would do everything but that. I think the only I think the one time I did the time I did was at uni because it's like, but it would be revise for that one, forget it. Revise for the next one, forget it. Exactly. However. When it came to do my PT course five years later, like, I still remember the stuff. So I was actually like, "Okay, you still you do remember aspects from your degree, which okay. is fair play, which is good." Um, so I so I only had to revise what I didn't know, yeah. but but it's a little bit easier. But I think people forget that in terms of their overriding success they 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 look at the failure before they look at the success the doesn't matter how big or small it was let me look at the thing that's bigger so okay. if I've had um I'll use uh, a call ad months ago no weight loss clothes didn't fit so those are the two the two failures mm-hmm. But what he didn't look at was how did it make him feel in the time that he was doing it? He said, oh, I felt amazing. I didn't feel yeah. depressed." Like, that's a massive win. And in yeah. my eyes, that's a bigger win than those two failures put together. But people don't look at that. It's like, oh, I didn't get weight loss. My clothes don't feel any better. He didn't track either. So you yeah. and I would probably pull that apart. It's like, well, you've not tracked it. Thus, you might have had weight loss. Throughout that yeah. journey, but you don't know.
1: Yeah, I have to remind my guys all the time that you know it's not just about weight loss and the number on the scales. You know, it's more about how your mindset is and how you're feeling.
0: You know, that's more important in my eyes. Going back to the days of a child, isn't it? Child doesn't think of um, a
2: exactly.
0: uh, worst case scenario. I want to do that target. How am I going to do it? Is it going to be set? But I've had loads. I use monkey bars as a a good story in my bio at the beginning. That is a mundane task for me now. That's so easy. Uh, Well, other than the the, big kiddie ones, so I wouldn't have to give them to the ground now. (laughs) But for me, that's a massive achievement because I had to figure out how do I climb the stairs having, having an impairment to start with. Yeah. People might say uh, in the story. I say I'm sat on the sidelines. I don't remember this. It's just it's mum my, more my, my recollecting the story. But you could say that's quite negative. It's not. I'm working it out in my head in terms of okay, these people are doing it this way. How can I calculate within a proper few days? Boom, doing it, doing it. And same with stuff like later on. Uh, and I think if you remind yourself to those days, you're very resourceful in terms exactly. of you're not, learn. you're not satisfied. I'm going to say, go on, you are you going to say?
1: They like as a child, you know, people, you know, they learn to walk, they learn to talk. They, they're learning all these things from not being able to do it. So you got to remind them that just because they can't do something now, you know, they've been through that point before where they've had to learn something from scratch. So they, they can do it. They've just, just got to do it again. You know, they got to learn something new. It's not impossible. Even though they're grown up now, they can still, you know, they can still repeat that process, learning something brand new and then becoming, you know, quite proficient
0: at it. Whatever it is. Well, that meme that goes round of I'm impossible is I'm possible.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I think people have to remember that is that like, it's, it's, it's... You, you and I didn't get good at what we, what we were good at in a sport overnight. Exactly, yeah. I, I probably did things faster than some people probably imagine, but that's... Well, Rich Rich Wellington doesn't agree with this, but there's an element of luck in terms of that to some extent because you have to be at the right place, the right time, have the right people around you to guide you to kind of go, well, okay, Um the two sports I made the Paralympics, I did have doubts about that at the mm-hmm. very beginning in terms of, well, what happens if I'm not good at it? I use the TEDx talk after, of but to use what my mom said in terms of, well, could be very good at, very, very good at it, but absolutely useless. <laughs> I think as a sports person, you run with the absolutely useless in terms of, well, I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. If I'm useless, I'm going to go do something else and do something else. And or if I get a knockback, I'm gonna persevere to, 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 in spite of that person, to prove myself wrong, to prove to prove countless naysayers. in terms of what what down the I, I do say now in coaching, because people kind of say, "Well, can't you?" It's like, no, it's negative energy outside of a sporting environment. It's not useful in the long run. Obviously, in the here and the short term, it, it will work but eventually if you're that kind of um individual that is very uh what's the word i want to use negative in terms of they get and it, i've got to prove mark wrong got to prove james wrong it's going to come a point that doesn't work yeah it's like well what 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 why am i really doing this the answer probably you can't answer that cuz it's like well if i need to prove you guys wrong eventually well why are you doing it in the first place yeah like what comes after that what 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 what, is it going to make you happy to make to to rub our noses in it (laughs) if the answer is no if the answer is no and i said this to the individuals like yeah there's going to come a point where it's useless i i i've been i've done that i'm pretty much i even i think i had somebody say your interview quite angry and it's like (laughs) okay if that's the tonality you get from me telling a story that's not great because it's it's 20 odd years ago i should have been able to uh at that point i think about five years ago put that to bed in terms of i shouldn't still have animosity to that particular teacher as an adult it's yeah. like if that person didn't think i could ever do it that's on him in terms of you don't think you could do it hey if you want to lay in your beds and make it hey that's up to you and i think it's taken working on myself to do that in terms of i need to be able to forgive that person i'd love to have a conversation in terms of what was your motive to be you know very hard teacher to kind of be very um not vindictive but pretty much say you're not you're not good enough you're you're not going to mount anything. it's what was the what's the motive in terms of what what for the majority most people are going to respond yeah because they don't agree with it but what is it doing to the other 50% in terms of how much is that knocking out of that person's uh Self belief, self confidence. It took me changing schools to kind of go. Well, James, yes, academically you were poor. I won't dismiss that. That's that's a fact. But I started to believe that narrative for myself in terms of what well, are you worth? Are you worthless as yeah. a person? It's bad enough being a teenager, let alone having that on top of you. So going to another school and pretty much, well, not just me, but I think just the way that they're taught, the sun shined out your ass. So that from a a confidence perspective is amazing. It's like, oh, I'm amazing. I like this. I'm going to do more of it. But I think it all happens back to, you know, that narrative that's built up because some people aren't as fortunate of you as I to be able to have um, the the pain and being able to build from it. I can't remember what the name of the group is that sing that song, but people probably know where I'm going with it. with that because you don't have the fundamentals built below it to kind of go, well, I have a choice here. I can be the victim or I can be the victor. I can choose to be follow the masses and to be let circumstance navigate me, be it, okay, Tony Robbins talks about, you know, no, not. yeah. Yeah, Tony Robbins said it. You've got either the brain controls you or you control the brain. Yeah. David Goggins is a bit of a nutcase, but in terms of, his narrative is very similar in terms of I choose not to quit. I choose to keep going. I think he's a lunatic, but in terms of running 20 miles a day, that is a choice in terms of having that negative dialogue with yourself. Oh, I'm too tired. Not today. In terms of, okay, yes, you could show up. Yes. You probably need to give you some, sometimes an allowance to rest. Because it's yeah. just important. But if you have never been um, to a certain extent nurtured in that way, how would you know any different in terms of, well, if somebody's saying to me, ah, oh, motivation, there's probably infinite, if you were to just Google that word, yeah. I don't know how many results, probably. M- Billions of results you will get back, but in terms of that, is so many layers of you know self belief, self confidence, discipline, focus.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I probably could use infinite words in terms of that's the undertone, but you get that by doing something. Of okay, now you're ripping the words of exercising drug (laughs) dopamine
2: yeah
0: oh i like how i feel i want to do more of it ultimately you've probably heard there's loads but you know pain is temporary but it don't matter if you're a beginner or an advanced person in in in, in exercise it hurts regardless yeah and it and it 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 will hurt infinitely more uh, as you progress i think people probably say to me james you're crazy because why would you do six days a week 30 hours to yourself and drive yourself into the ground yeah. i don't know but that's what i wanted to do that was uh my childhood dream of being a professional athlete so pretty much th- if that's what i want to be that's what's going to happen if that's what i have to do that's that's what action is going to take okay i've probably argued with athletes nowadays when they say to me uh what was the best before christmas 17 year olds it doesn't matter if i like the exercise hate it or somewhere it's like i will you there it's like talking it was like talking to myself <laughs> 20 <laughs> years ago it's like yeah i used to think like that too but that's not going to get you anywhere in terms of you like it good learn something from it if you don't like it tough it up and try and learn and learn from the person as what they're trying to teach you because if it's hot if it's you don't like it there's a reason that you're doing it if it's mundane is boring there's a reason that you're doing it so be it okay what be mundane you know uh something that's like mileage based the reason that people are doing it is to improve their cardiovascular system end of the story <laughs> you're doing it because you do you're building up your aerobic capacity your heart and lungs and you're doing it as a form of recovery yeah and then the other two it depends but that's now me 15 years later Coming back to what you said earlier on, if you know what you knew, if you knew what you knew now in hindsight, you'd be very much further advanced. Definitely, definitely. So we're you coming to it? we're coming to the end of the show, Mark. So I, I like to uh, end on on these two questions. So the the first one, I'm going to give you a two part question. Uh, you. If you were able to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, for that matter. Who would that be and why?
1: Um, um, I would say probably um, Sanchai who's a, who's a Muay Thai fighter. He's still alive, still a living legend. I have actually met him. Um, but yeah, it's good guys, funny, and he's the way he fights is is amazing. It's an art, within an art.
0: Yeah, so definitely Sanchai. And then the second part of the question: if you got down to, if you got, were, ugh, we'll edit that bit out. If yeah. you got to sit down with any athlete, uh, any any coach, sorry, for that matter, who would that be and why? Uh... That's a tough one. Um,
1: In terms of fighting, I'm not really sure, but obviously, like people like Alex Ferguson, who's obviously a great manager of people, not just footballers. So I suppose, yeah, he would be good to have a chat to, you know, see how, learn from his people skills more than anything.
0: And my final question before we sign off today, if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into to the balls up as well. <laughs> and my final question before we, we, we wrap up the show is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be?
1: Um, I'd say, Progression is more like a war of attrition in terms of fighting. So, you know, you've got to keep that pressure on. You've got to keep your commitment on. I always say, like, it's not about how much you can commit to something. It's how you can recommit. So, you know, when that motiv- motivation is waving, you've got to recommit yourself to whatever task, you know, you committed yourself at the start. And that's the best way you can move forward. So it's not about commitment, it's about recommitment when that motivation's wavered maybe a little.
0: So once again, Mark, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hoth, an athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.